We are once again turning to the book of Proverbs this morning and uh, looking at the subject today of friendship. <clears throat> so last week we talked about our influence on other people. Today we're kind of reversing that, uh, talking about those who influence us. So what does the book of Proverbs, this ancient book of wisdom, have to teach us about the kinds of influences we should and shouldn't have in our lives? How can we be wise in our associations and in our friendships. That's going to be our focus today. But before we dive into Proverbs, <clears throat> I want to start by going all the way back to the beginning, uh, to the book of Genesis. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, uh, then you know that the book of Genesis, the first few pages record how God created uh, the world and everything that we see. And then humans' sin and rebellion against God led to the curse on the world. And of course, we all feel the effects of that now every day. But you might be surprised to learn that sin wasn't the first problem in the world. Uh, the first problem in the history of the world came before the fall of man into sin. In Genesis chapter 1, we have the account of God kind of renovating the world that he's created. He's making it inhabitable for life. On day 1, it says that God created light. And verse 4 of chapter 1 says that God saw the light was good. He then separated the light from the darkness. He calls the light day, the darkness he calls night. Uh, then on day two, God created what we would call today the atmosphere. Maybe you uh, used to, like me, read it in the old King James and see the word firmament. And you go, what in the world is that? It's talking about the atmosphere, so the expanse between the earth and space. And so God created that. He separated uh, the heavens from the earth. Then on day three, we read that God pulled all of the water on the earth together to form seas and he called the dry land earth. And again, it says that God saw that it was good. Then God created plants and trees producing fruit and seeds, and God saw that they were good. Then on day four, Genesis tells us that God created the sun, the moon, the stars to light up the sky and to provide uh, measurable uh, timekeepers for us to know the days, the seasons, and the years. And God saw that they were good. Then on day five, God created fish in the seas and birds in the sky, and he saw that it was good. Then day six comes, God creates animals, and he saw that they were good. And then last of all, as the pinnacle of all God's creative work, he creates human beings. He, he creates a man named Adam, the first human, a creature that is said to be made in the image and likeness of God himself. And Genesis 2.7 says that God formed this man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into him the breath of life, and this man, Adam, became a living soul. Then God plants a garden that he calls Eden, and he places the man in the Garden of Eden to live there, to toil the, the soil there, to produce uh, food for himself. He gives him instructions for the work that he was to do. And God tells him, don't eat of the fruit from the tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And then, for the first time in the story, we don't read, God saw that it was good. Instead, God says that something about what he has just made is not good. He says it is not good that man should be alone. The first problem in the history of the world wasn't sin, it was solitude. God says it's not good for this man that I've created to live by himself. So I will make him a helper that is fit for him. And so God creates Eve, 
Uh, And God's purpose in creating Eve wasn't merely reproduction. It wasn't just we need a man and a woman so we can have children and reproduce the human race. No, the main purpose, God's main concern was that Adam not be alone, that he not be living in solitude. And so he created a helper for him. And this is really the whole point of friendship, that two people would help each other, that we're better when we live together in community with each other than when we live in isolation. Uh, Here's how Ecclesiastes chapter 4 puts it. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The point of all that is, again, we're stronger, we're better together than we are in isolation. God knew that mankind would be better off living in community with other people than by himself. And so this idea of friendship really is a part of God's design for us. And we would do well to consider this for a few moments today. It's a big deal to God. It's something that he cares about, that we would have good and godly friendships. And I think it's a far more important issue uh, than many of us realize. As we get into Proverbs then, begin to look at what this book of wisdom has to say to us about friendship, we're going to see that Proverbs uh, points out two major pitfalls that fools fall into with regards to friendship. The first one is not having friends. The second one is not having good friends. So the first problem is solitude. Again, God recognized right from the start that mankind was better off with a companion than by himself. And yet some of us think we know better than God. We don't need friends. Uh, This is a foolish mindset. Whether we realize it or not, we all need friendship. I think this is one of the reasons that the church exists. Uh, God's design from the very beginning of our uh, of the New Testament, the New Covenant era, is that uh, followers of Jesus would gather together regularly and live among one another, that we would not be in solitude. Uh, certainly, you could live by yourself and read your own Bible and pray on your own, and yet God saw the wisdom in us gathering as a body. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Isolated people become selfish and self-centered people. Uh, One who isolates himself seeks his own desire, meaning uh, there's something about being forced to live in a community with other people that is healthy for us and just getting a little bit less self-absorbed. If you isolate yourself from others, you won't care about anyone else's needs but your own. You won't even know anyone else's needs but your own. Further, this proverb points out another problem with isolation. Not only do we become self-centered, but we become very dumb decision makers. Uh, The person who isolates from others breaks out against all sound judgment. He does foolish things because there are no other people in his life to help guide him. He has rejected both the social responsibilities as well as the benefits of associating with other people. Now, the, the next verse right after this in Proverbs 18, uh, you could take this to be a separate thought, but I think the author of Proverbs is intending for us to take these two together because there seems to be 
uh, to me, a very clear connection between these two Proverbs. So verse 1 says this antisocial person seeks his own desires. He doesn't care about others' needs. And he's missing out on the wisdom that others could provide to him. Then verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. And so the connection between the two Proverbs is this. The foolish person doesn't recognize that there is wisdom he could gain from other people. A fool thinks that he is all he needs. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I just want to express my own opinion. I don't care what your needs are. I'm only concerned about my needs. This is the attitude of the fool. He doesn't think he needs the advice or guidance of others. And so he isolates himself. He cuts himself off from friendships that could actually benefit him greatly in his life because he doesn't think he has anything to learn from anyone else. And so Proverbs repeatedly emphasizes this need that we have for wisdom and guidance, counsel, or we could use the term advice, uh, offered from other people. For example, in Proverbs 11, verse 14, we read, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Uh, Notice there that we are encouraged not just to have one friend. You know, God makes Eve for Adam, and you think, okay, problem solved. Uh, But actually, this proverb seems to indicate we should ideally have multiple friends, uh, multiple people who think differently and can together provide us with good guidance. If we try to walk through life on our own, We will inevitably fall into trouble, but there is safety in the abundance of counselors. So Proverbs says that we need friends. We need people around us who can speak into our life, who can help us, and those that we can help as well, just to get our eyes off of ourselves. We need people around us. We need people around us to help us and people that we can help. All of these relational aspects of human life help us to flourish. But then we need to add a caveat, because I said a moment ago, Proverbs tells us uh, there are two ways that fools are led into destruction with regard to friendship. The first is isolation. I don't need friends. I can live life on my own. The second problem is choosing bad friends. Not only do we need friendship to flourish and live wisely in the world as God has created it, but we need to choose our friends carefully. Proverbs 13, verse 20 Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Last week, we talked about how all of us, whether we realize it or not, are influencing other people around us. We have an effect on the people that we spend time with. And of course, the same is true in the opposite direction. Uh, The people that we associate with, the people that we spend time with, whether we're aware of it or not, they are influencing us. And so now we're going to look at nine criteria that Proverbs provides in evaluating who we should befriend. Don't get nervous. We'll go through these quickly. Uh, Nine criteria in thinking about what kinds of friends should I be seeking to have. And the first one is right there in verse 20 of chapter 13, wisdom. If you interact with wise people regularly, you will begin to think and act as a wise person yourself. That's what that verse says. You walk with wise people, you become wise. Their influence will rub off on you. But if you are a companion of fools, you'll end up in trouble. So not only do we need to seek friendship to flourish as humans, but we need to be careful about the kinds of friends we should choose. And first of all, we should choose 
uh, to befriend wise people. So here's just a very practical application of this principle. Ask yourself, who are the wisest people that I know? Who in your family, who in your friend group, who at work, whatever, who are the wisest people that I interact with regularly? Whoever comes to mind, try to spend time with them. Have conversations with them every chance you get. Uh, Friend them on social media, whatever you can do that doesn't come across too creepy. Uh, But intentionally, try to be close to wise people, wise influences in your life. I think if you're young, this especially means looking intentionally to spend time with people who are more mature than you. We're going to get to this a little bit later. Uh, But maybe there's a specific area of your life that you really need wisdom in. Try to find people that have success in that area, people who have made wise decisions and that you could learn from. The point is that we should try intentionally uh, to have influences in our lives. In other words, thinking uh, not just about who do I like to spend time with, whose personality jives well with me, but it being intentional with who we allow to influence us. Not just spending time with whoever happens to be around, but actually asking ourselves, who are the wise people in my life that I could learn from? And so number one, seek wise friends. And really, this already fits with what we've already seen as one of the main purposes in friendship. Uh, We're supposed to have a group of people around us that help us, uh, guide us, give advice and counsel to us. And so, of course, uh, you don't want to be friends with a bunch of foolish people who are going to guide you in uh, foolish directions. And so the first thing to look for in who you want to influence you is wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 14, 7, kind of along the same lines, leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. So avoid friendships with fools, seek out friendships with wise people. Secondly, seek the kind of friend who makes you improve as a person. Uh, We looked at this verse last time, but Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We considered last week how we ought to be sharpening other people around us. Uh, We ought to consider if our influence on those around us is having a positive effect or not. But, again, this verse can be applied in the other direction as well. I should intentionally seek to spend time with friends who sharpen me. Uh, Now, if I'm honest, it's hard to find friends like this. Uh, You may only a couple of times in your life come across someone like this, someone who uh, pressures you and pushes you to improve, to be a better person. And if you're ever lucky enough to find someone like that, hang on to that friendship. Uh, And if you're really lucky like me, see if they'll marry you. Uh, One of the main things that uh, really attracted me to my wife is she pushed me to be a better person. And so seek those friendships. Seek for people who will push you to improve. Uh, We're not going to read the text in Hebrews again, but if you were here last week, we looked at Hebrews 10.24, which states again, this is one of the reasons, uh, the functions of a church gathering is to provoke one another to love and good works. That's a mutually beneficial kind of friendship that we should all be seeking. Next, Proverbs 16, verse 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Uh, One of the themes in Proverbs is to respect and learn from godly older saints around you. Those who have spent decades walking down the path of wisdom, we're instructed to seek these people out and try to learn from them. And so while this isn't a hard and fast rule, it would be wise for younger people especially to seek out friendships 
with those who are further along in life. Again, that's not to say you can have no younger friends, but often we tend to only associate with people who are in this similar or the same stage of life that we're in. And Proverbs points out to us the value of befriending older people. Uh, This principle, again, is picked up in the New Testament where Paul writes to Titus, a young pastor there in Crete, and tells him uh, to instruct the older uh, older men and older women in the church to give guidance, to teach the younger men and women. And while Proverbs isn't that explicit, the book constantly pushes the reader uh, to seek out older people in your life who would be a good and wise influence on you. And remember, the book of Proverbs is written primarily by Solomon. Uh, Solomon has written this book to his son, Rehoboam. That's why as you read Proverbs, you'll keep seeing over and over, my son, uh, do this, my son. And so it's literally a father speaking to his son. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, apparently did not learn this lesson very well of looking to older men and learning from their wisdom. Rehoboam became king of Israel after the death of his father Solomon, and right as he was being given the throne, the people requested a meeting with their new king. And so uh, 1 Kings 12 verse 4, this is what they say to Rehoboam. They say, your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer this people? They said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. So these older men advised Rehoboam to grant the request of the people. But verse eight, but he, Rehoboam, abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with the young men who he had grown up with and stood before him. And as you continue reading the rest of the story there in 1 Kings 12, uh, the young men who were Rehoboam's friends, they basically told him, be harsh to the people. Uh, Try to force them to respect you as their king. And in the end, this led to a revolt. The kingdom split. Ten of the 12 tribes of Israel uh, basically refused to serve Rehoboam, and so the kingdom was split in two. And it all started with this young man, Rehoboam, rejecting the counsel of the old man that had advised his father. All that to say, uh, young men would be wise to respect older people around us and try to learn from their wisdom. Next, Proverbs encourages us to seek friendships with emotionally stable people, those who are in control of their spirit. Again, uh, if we're thinking about the influences that we have around us, you don't want to be influenced by people who are out of control. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Uh, Once again, you notice there the reason that you shouldn't do this. So Proverbs says, don't befriend an angry, out-of-control person, because if you do, you'll learn his ways. You will be influenced by the, spe- the people that you spend time with. So steward your influence as well. Seek friendships with those who are in control of their emotions. Next, seek mature friends. I'm not sure if this is the best word to use. Maybe you can think of a better one. This is just what I could come up with. Uh, here's where this is coming from. Proverbs 20, verse 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, 
Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. So whatever the opposite of simple babbler is, that's the type of person we're supposed to be seeking to be friends with. A slanderer takes private, personal information and makes it public so as to embarrass someone. And so Proverbs is advising us to stay away from such people because they eventually will reveal unwanted things about you. In other words, avoid gossips. Uh, Don't spend time with people who are constantly spreading rumors about other people. Seek mature friendships. Next, uh, this should be obvious, but Proverbs warns us to avoid friendships with those who commit crimes or stir up trouble, uh, rather to seek friendship with good and virtuous people. Proverbs 24, verse 1, Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. So seek virtuous friends. Uh, Next, develop friendships with people who will be honest with you. Proverbs 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's better to have someone who will, will rebuke you to your face than someone who will act like your friend while hiding their true thoughts. Or you could say, better to be friends with Peter than Judas. Befriend those who will be honest with you, even when it's hard. Uh, don't just try to gather yes-men around you. This is something uh, that I see on, on social media a lot. Uh, I don't have a Facebook, but my, but my wife does, and she'll show me every once in a while. Uh, somebody posting something that's just an obviously foolish uh, life decision, right? Their you know, wife is leaving her husband and kids, and she's going to go with this new guy that just got out of prison or something. And anybody reading it is thinking, oh boy, uh, this is not going to end well. But then you look at all of the comments, and it's just reassuring, like, oh, you're doing such a great thing. This is going to work out so well. You go, girl. And it's just this this (laughs) constant affirmation. Nobody wants to confront the person and tell them, you're making a bad decision. No one is willing to tell them the truth. Avoid friendships with people who will never call you out for your own stupid decisions, but only ever affirm you. Uh, Contrary to the ideology of the culture today, Proverbs teaches that true love doesn't just affirm whatever people say and whatever people feel. Rather, at times, a true friend will rebuke and wound in order to help his friend in the long run. So we should seek honest friends. Next, this one may seem odd at first, seek friendships with those who are self-disciplined. This comes from Proverbs 28, verse 7. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Uh, Particularly, I'm interested in that last phrase there that warns us not to be a companion of gluttons. Now, uh, gluttony is one of those sins nobody wants to talk about. Uh, Many people, I think, also misunderstand. A lot of people think that gluttony just means overeating at a meal. You know, you've eaten past the point where you're full. That's not really what gluttony is. I've been asked before, is it a sin uh, during Thanksgiving when we eat a big meal? Okay, and my answer to that has always been no. Uh, That's actually not what gluttony refers to. Gluttony is a pattern of life that is characterized by overindulgence and a lack of discipline. Okay, so it's not eating a whole lot in one sitting. Uh, Feasting is actually a biblical concept. There's many commands in Scripture where God tells the Jewish people, on this day, have a big feast. 
have a celebration. There's nothing wrong with an occasional feast. In fact, it's a biblical concept. But fasting is also a biblical concept. Continual feasting, that would be a definition of gluttony. Uh, Occasional feasting is not. So when we think of gluttony, it's really a problem of a lack of discipline. And usually this ends up extending uh, well beyond just how you eat into other areas of your life. Uh, We talked a couple of weeks ago about the warnings in Proverbs uh, concerning overindulging in wine. Gluttony is very much so a parallel to that problem. Uh, Both are a result of a lack of self-discipline. And so Proverbs tells us not to associate with undisciplined people. Uh, So in our friendships, we should look for hardworking people whose pattern of life is discipline and uh, is is respectable. Uh, These are the kinds of people you should want influencing you. One last category of the kinds of people to befriend. Proverbs 27, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. And so the principle here is to seek to make friends within your daily life activities. Uh, If all of your friends live far away and you see them rarely, they probably aren't really the people who are influencing you. The people who are likely rubbing off on you are the ones you work with every day, uh, the ones you live near, the ones that you interact with on a regular basis. And so Proverbs tells us that the best case scenario is to look for these wise and mature, honest people to befriend within your daily activities. Now, who do you work with? Who at this church? Who in your family could be a good candidate for you to befriend? Someone you're going to see regularly, interact with on a daily or maybe weekly basis. Seek friendships with people who are close to you and who can influence you in a positive direction as you spend time around them. So those are the the categories of people we should be looking to befriend, the kinds of people. Proverbs also gives us a few characteristics of a true friend, and we're going to close by just looking at these and making a couple applications. What does it look like for someone to be a real friend? What does a real friendship look like? First of all, kind of piggybacking on what we just looked at, a true friend is available. Proverbs 17, verse 17 A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. True friend is available. They're there for you through everything you go through in life. Uh, Proverbs 18.24, similarly, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Next, a true friend seeks emotional connection. Proverbs 19.22, Uh, What is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. A true friend truly loves and cares about you. In other words, here's the opposite way of saying that. Proverbs 25, verse 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. We covered this one a few weeks back. So here's a person who doesn't connect with you emotionally at all. Your heart is heavy, you're grieved about something, and he comes in singing songs. Okay, a true friend isn't like this. They seek emotional connection, meaning it's not just about being polite. They actually care about your needs and what you're going through. And men, especially, we stink at this. (laughs) Most of us are not good at this at all. 
uh, on my best days, on really good days, maybe I can achieve this with my wife. Uh, but that's pretty much it. And so this is something for me to grow in and probably for most of us men as well. Next, a true friend is candid. Again, Proverbs 27, verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Truly loving someone means making them mad sometimes. Telling them things they don't want to hear. A parent who only ever gives a child what they want isn't truly loving them. And the same is true in friendship. A true friend is one who will be candid with you and will not say one thing to your face and another thing behind your back. Proverbs 28, 23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Lastly, a true friend is trustworthy, or you could say discreet. Proverbs 27, verse 9, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So a true friend can be trusted with secrets. Uh, I mentioned this a couple of uh, Wednesday nights ago, I believe, but if you can't trust someone to keep something between you, you're never going to be a close friend to them. Uh, that's, we all recognize that in the opposite direction, but it works our way too. Now, all of this sounds great, but how do you actually get these kinds of friends? I think all of us would like to have friends like this. Proverbs apparently says we all need friends like this. So how do I get these kinds of friends who are going to be a good influence to me and sharpen me, be honest with me, and be true friends to me? Well, here's how you do it. Number one, be available. Number two, give emotional connection, actually care about other people. Number three, be candid. Number four, be trustworthy. In other words, you get these kinds of friends by being this kind of friend to other people. People who are desperate for friendship often don't end up with very many friends. Focus instead on being the kind of friend you ought to be. A man who has friends must show himself friendly, and this may take years for that to actually take place. But you go and be the kind of friend that Proverbs describes as a true friend. You be that to everybody else. And in the meantime, you'll be blessed by having these kinds of friendships as well in the end. So as we close today, let's just kind of pull everything together. Uh, Proverbs teaches us that we need friendship. No one is better off isolating from other people. But we need the right kinds of friends. Whether we realize it or not, we're being influenced by the people we spend time with. Some of that's beyond our control. Uh, people in your family, people you work with, you can't do a whole lot about that necessarily. But as much as possible, we ought to be seeking to spend time with wise, virtuous, mature disciplined, honest people, those who sharpen us, those who influence us to do good. And as we're seeking to befriend these kinds of people, we also should be intentional about being the kind of friend to others that we would want. Now, friendship is all about getting your eyes off of yourself, off of your problems, off of your needs, and helping other people with their problems and with their needs. And so as we move now into our time of prayer, I want us to consider uh, first of all, that God would help us you know, pray and ask God to help you to have the kinds of friends that you need. Uh, we shouldn't be minimizing this subject as if I, I'm fine uh, with the one friend that I have. Uh, no, you, you probably should actually be praying and asking God for more guidance, for more advice, for people who can sharpen you and make you a better Christian. And then secondly, let's pray and ask God also to help us to be 
that kind of friend to other people. Don't be so focused on, you know, why doesn't anybody else uh, treat me the way that I want? Uh, Let's start with the golden rule that Jesus taught us, right? Treat others as we want to be treated. That certainly applies to the subject of friendship.